The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network. Clay Patton and for Susan Littlefield talking the trade today. Sean Hackett of Hackett Financial Advisors. And Sean, thank you for being able to join us here as we round out the week's trade. And maybe not necessarily ending on a Friday where we wanted to as we're red in the corn and the soybeans as well as the majority of the wheat markets. Chicago, our lone one on the green to end out here today. But kind of we've been up and down this week. A lot of it swirling around weather. But I, I want to go big picture first when we talk about weather and that's south america had a few people that have kind of hinted towards it but brazil and and south america is still extremely dry what what are you hearing yeah i mean our our work that we look at and a lot of the correlation studies we have done uh with a lot of the different weather variables that are in place do suggest that we're going to be in a prolonged period of drier than normal weather that doesn't mean no rain at all but a, 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 an extended period of Low average rainfall, and so it, we really think there's going to be problems with the first crop production coming out of uh, Brazil. We always say the first crops for Brazil, the second crops for export. But if you come up short on the first crop, you know then that really limits their ability to sell in the export market like they did last year, and that could mean that we become more competitive. So it's something to really pay attention to, especially if this pattern were to continue to play out over the next 30 days. It would start to be a market mover uh, beyond you know less crop harvest. Talking about these drought-like conditions, Australia also is struggling this with this right now, and they're starting to see some crop failure in their latest wheat crop. Yeah, the wheat crop is falling by the day. I mean, it's hard to imagine the third year in a row of a bad wheat crop, but that's what we're getting. In fact, it looks like it could be the worst, worse than last year and worse than the year before, which were really, really bad. It's just just an amazing long-term weather pattern they've had, and, and the wheat crop there is uh, is definitely coming down, and we still don't know where the bottom is on production, but it's 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 certainly a bullish feature for the wheat market in intermediate term, um, and something to keep an eye on to see how bad it can get. When we're talking about weather, let's come back to the U.S. now. And, and 2019 seems to be starting in terms of the growing year is going to be ending the same way it started, and that's with increased moisture across a bunch of the corn belt that could delay harvest. But uh, you've been talking with some clients, and it sounds like we may be getting some solid uh, harvest data out. So far, what have you heard? Well, I mean, in the South, we're getting some better results, which we would expect to see, um, and uh, and 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 we're going to start moving into the the southern central uh, belt, and and some of the numbers we're starting to get are uh, not showing as much optimism, albeit really really early still as as the South, and we think as we keep going down crop uh, progress here on the harvest, and we keep moving further north, we think the results are going to continue to deteriorate, and as we get more of that information, the market can uh, can start to connect the dots and maybe you know, move some of these yields down a little bit from where they currently are, which, uh, which in history says we normally overestimate late developing crops. We think this year would be no different. And looking here at the board today, you know, this week we finally beat that 375 there on the December corn, but today we close at 371.5. Our hind didn't even get back above 375. So from a technical picture in that short term, are we looking at some more downside pressure here? The chart that we look at, we're kind of developing what we call this internal wedge formation. We make, you know, lower highs and lower lows, but, but the volatility keeps narrowing. Um, and we're, we're stuck right in that pattern, Clay. And, you know, we have maybe another month 
to get to the end of that pattern, where which then would suggest a big break out to the upside or a break down from that what they call a coiling pattern. So right now we are we are strongly in this wedge pattern, and, and this week proved that point perfectly. So I, we don't really see a lot changing technically. More base building for the market to, to you know, make some kind of a bigger move, and it seems to us that move would come from what the actual Harvard's results are saying. You know, we talk about fundamentals, we talk about technical formations on charts, but some of this can get blown out of the water when we see outside market forces and political tensions come back in. And in the U.S. this week, we've heard impeachment inquiry. Now we hear the Trump administration maybe looking at limiting money flow back into China. Overall, does this look deflationary to the commodities and we see that money not wanting to come back? Overall, when we think impeachment, we think of loss of confidence in government. When we think capital controls, which is sort of what the, the Trump administration is suggesting, you, know, you can't invest in China companies or you can't put your money with China, um, loss of confidence in government. Historically speaking, when policies are, or things take place that the people of a country lose, or the world lose confidence in a particular government, it has tended to mean a weaker currency or money leaving the period, uh, the, the, the place of uncertainty. And so we think that if impeachment really becomes a major force here, and if they actually do follow through on capital controls, we think that the response to this would be a weaker U.S. dollar and a weaker U.S. dollar, which, as you know, Clay, we have not seen <laughs> all year long. It's been pretty much going up most of the year. has tended to be an inflationary um, force for agricultural prices. So our best guess is these kinds of things that actually would be inflationary to add prices because of the currency impact. Sean, right now, farmers are getting their harvesters ready, or they're trying to get out in the field and get harvested what they can before we may see a change in this weather pattern. What is some of your advice to guys right now? Do you focus on harvest, or should you try to focus on harvest and a marketing plan? Well, you always have to try to focus on the marketing plan and, and make sure you, you have triggers and, and action plans to take advantage of the volatility and price that comes. But what we would suggest, you know, our view is is that we're going to have an early start to winter, um, and so we're going to have a very short window to get this crop out of the ground. And we are advising our customers to not hold back, you know, uh, run as hard as fast as you can because we don't think we're going to have a long window to harvest this crop. And if you get caught, um, you know, with corn or soybeans in the field, and we get some some significant wintry weather. That comes into play. You know, you you may not be getting that crop out for uh, for quite a while, as we saw last year when we had those rains that continued on and on and on. So, so our best advice is run as fast as you can, as quick as you can. We don't think we're going to have a long window here. Again, we're talking with Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors, today on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Coming up next, we talk livestock as well. Look at Class Three milk futures. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. The Fontenelle final bell on the Rural Radio Network. Again, Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors, joining the conversation. We just finished up our grain conversation, but Sean, during the break, I thought of one more question I wanted to ask you. On Monday, we'll have that quarterly stocks report out. And in the past, these have been fairly volatile reports. Do you think that could happen once again here coming up on Monday? We really do. I think there is potential for some big surprises. The USDA likes to use the quarterly grain stocks report to fix errors of their estimates in the past and kind of clean up their dirty laundry, as they say. And so um, 
you know, if we had a guess, if we were just to kind of guess where we think they may be in error, we think they may be uh, having too much corn around, and we think that number could come down in this report, and then we think the soybean number could actually go up a little bit. So we would be looking for potential for some surprises there. It's, it's, it'd be a good time for them to kind of clear the decks and, and fix some of the inconsistencies that they've had in the past. So definitely could be a market mover and, and, a, and, a, and create some volatility that farmers and producers could take advantage of if it's meaningful enough. Let's move over to livestock now, and we saw a nice run-up here in the cattle this week. We filled in some crucial gaps on that October contract coming back from August when we saw that Tyson uh, plant fire there in Holcomb, Kansas. Are we just finally getting back up to pace to where we were, uh, and then now do we see some downside potential? Well, I mean, we, we had that massive crash on the Tyson fire, all this uncertainty, panic. Can we, can we process all the cows and uh, all the cattle you know, in the fourth quarter? And the answer is it looks like we can. And so if we can and we're not going to back up animals uh, for slaughter, then, then the market needs to, put, needs to put that back on. And that's, that's kind of where we are. And you're right about you know, filling those gaps and, and getting ourselves back to, to where we never really should have fallen below had it not been for that crazy affair. Uh, where we are now, you know, we're probably going to have a little more tough sledding as we enter some overhead resistance in a lot of the contracts, maybe another point higher from here. And so maybe some backing and filling, sideways trade, absorbing the move, um, there is a lot of cattle coming to market here in the fourth quarter, so we think much of the easy money has been made to the upside for now and probably a period of congestion for cattle. When we switch from cattle over to Class 3 milk futures, Sean, I always appreciate to hear your comments on it because you follow this market very closely. We broke down at the beginning of the week. Did we just see some profit taking here for a Friday? Is that why we're back in the green? Yeah, I mean, we had, we, you know, we had this big, big spike trade last week in Class 3, got get almost into the mid-upper 19s, which we hadn't seen in a very, very long time. Um, and, you know, when the market gets too carried away, Clay, uh, there, there tends to be, uh, you know, the faster you go up, the faster you go down, and we had a very, very substantial break, you know, dollar and a half down in a very short period of time. But we did come down to some critical support on uh, Class 3 prices for October at 18, broke it marginally, and now bounced off it. So we do view this as kind of a, a technical bounce at the end of a week of a rough week for, for Class 3, nothing more, nothing less. When we talk about the fundamentals of that, we did get the announcement of the U.S.-Japanese trade deal, and Asia occasionally been a big buyer of U.S. milk exports at different times. Do we see this as a positive deal for Class 3 milk, and could that help uh, the overall demand fundamentals? I mean, our exports have you know, been having a difficult time with the strong dollar, so any time that we can sign trade deals that kind of guarantee some improved demand for uh, a market like milk is helpful, but I don't really believe at the price level we are now, Clay, that that's going to be a real driver here. We think if we're going to be moving this market much higher from here, we're going to need like New Zealand weather to become a problem because New Zealand right now is in entering their peak production period for uh, milk, and there's some concern about cold, wet weather that could impact production there. And if that that to me would be the reach of this market to make another leg up. We don't think trade deals in of themselves would be a driver higher. They're positive, but not really a driver higher for these price levels. We move over to Hongs now, and Hongs kind of taking the sell side of the spread today versus the live cattle as we continue to see that. But China's coming back in. They're creeping up that exports list, buying a little bit more and more. They're moving into their anniversary of the 70 years of the Chinese Communist Party entering Golden Week next week. So pork's going to be high on the list. Could we see a, kind of an inverse and a turnaround from today's close next week? 
Yeah, I think I think so, Clay. I think we're finally at the point that they've done everything they could. They've they've done everything they could do to not buy U.S. pork for the entire year. It's created a very frustrating trade, as you know. But I think they're at the point now where they have to just continue buying day in and day out, week in and week out. And yes, there could be corrections along the way, but for the most part, heading into the end of the year and their national holidays in January, February, we don't see how they're going to be able to avoid continuing to be in this market. Whether or not we sign a trade deal or have a detente, whatever you want to call it, I think they're going to buy the pork no matter what. So we see hogs overall you know, heading back up to the highs that we were at earlier in the year in that 90 scenario. We think that's something that is just a matter of not, not, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when we get there. Sean, we've covered a lot of important topics and a lot of crucial marketing information, but I'm sure there's some guys that have their own questions. They want to continue this conversation, how it can fit their operation. What's the best way to do that? Well, I would say the best way is to go to our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. All our contact information is there. We have some webinars and videos and interviews that go over our thinking to see if you know, what we do might be of value to your listeners. Again, that is Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors, joining us today on the Fontenelle Final Belt. Thank you to Fontenelle Hybrids and all of their local dealers for their support right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.